Hello. Hi. Welcome to this. We are here. We have more D&D to talk about. Always. Do you know why? Why is Because we never stop playing. <laughs> no, and we never stop talking Actually, about it either. Actually, <laughs> that's not true. Sometimes scheduling conflicts happen. That's, yeah. And that's do. the worst shit ever. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that. We but are. before we do, uh, I want to do a little housekeeping and tell you that this podcast is now on Spotify. Yeah, it is. And Apple Music. Heck yeah. Yeah, Apple Music. That's for you guys. Yeah, I <laughs> was like, I don't know. I was being kind of lazy about doing that. So I was like, I thought it was going to be a difficult process because it used to be a somewhat difficult process finding a hosting service. Then I was like, oh, Anchor FM is just like a thing that exists as a part of Spotify now. And you don't oh. have to do Anchor FM ads. That used to be how the, how it worked before they were acquired. Gotcha. I was going to say, I remember Anchor being a thing a few years ago. We kind of talked about it like, oh, if we ever did a podcast, Anchor yeah. would make it easy. Mm-hmm. But, but now it's easier. Now it's even easier. Uh, not that I'm a fan <laughs> of monopolies or anything, but... <laughs> Integration is good. Monopolizing is not. At least, at least we don't have to talk about the hosting platform that we're on for, I think, like three minutes an episode now. Yeah, (laughs) that would that would kind of kill the vibe. It would ruin my steez a little bit, I think. Yeah. Harsh my mellows. What? (laughs) Oh, harsh your mellows. (laughs) Harsh my mellows. Would griddle my biscuit. I actually saw um, a video not too long ago of someone saying you can do that with band names. Oh, yeah. Are you deafing my leopard right now? Are you deafing my leopard? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm desperately trying to think of something else that works with that. (laughs) I Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Anyway, it's still hot here. We're still thinking slow. We're not as slow as last week. Holy God. Thank God. That yeah. was that was brutal. And also it has been raining. Yeah. So yeah. that, that helps things a little bit, though. It, if we did this tomorrow, I think it would be kind of awful. Yeah. It'd be humid as hell. <laughs> we're starting to recover. Yep. We're getting there. The Midwest is healing. I hope. <laughs> Nature is healing. Anyway, we're here to talk about homebrew and. In some cases, your homebrew. Which, if you have, you should send to us at Summon Greater Pod on Twitter. No, just sorry, it's Summon Greater on Twitter at Summon Greater or Summon Greater Pod at gmail.com. Uh, we also have TikTok and Instagram platforms that yeah. you should follow us on. I will throw those in the link to the description down below. You will get shorts a few times a week on there. Mm-hmm. I don't have a set schedule. I just edit content when i edit it (laughs) (laughs) you get it when you get it but i've been doing like like three to four of those every week Mm -hmm. so hell yeah brother yeah but getting back to scheduling conflicts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have a few fun little would you rather questions Mm -hmm. that we've been sitting on for a while and you know we've kind of talked about every now and then with our D&D groups and it's always been a fun little mini conversation but we were wanting to actually uh, 
talk about that with you guys on, on the interwebs. And one of them was, would you rather have no more scheduling conflicts with your D&D play group or would you rather play your favorite campaign again from the very beginning? Damn, dude. Uh, it's kind of a hard one. It is a really hard one. Um, I would take no more conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause <clears throat> I, I've played in, I've played in a few campaigns that I've really, really loved, but I don't think I've loved a campaign enough to say, put me back in. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, not put me back in, but like it's, it's hard to refuse the, the, you know, it works out every time. Yeah, that's true. And I think it also, this is kind of one of the more skewed, would you rather questions because there are a lot of people playing D and D who haven't played more than one campaign yet. Or that's, maybe even haven't finished a campaign yet. That's probably true. And it's probably as a result of scheduling. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. So I would, I would agree with you. Mm. I would say no more scheduling conflicts. Yep. And I think in my opinion, that's because my favorite campaign ever, and I would even say campaigns, plural, my favorite campaigns ever. I don't necessarily want to go back and play them again mm -hmm. because I am so happy with how they turned out and what happened in there. I would be paranoid of somehow making a wrong decision somewhere yeah. and messing it up. Yeah. Like the way that the story progressed and how it ended made me so happy mm -hmm. to the point where I don't want to go back into that. I just want to have that. Like it was perfect memory, man. Yeah. You bring up a point that, I'm going to make this question harder. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and I think this is actually a difficult choice for oh, me no. as well. Would you rather have no scheduling conflicts or have perfect, uh, high quality recordings of your favorite campaign? Oh, man. Yeah, that does make it harder. <laughs> that does make it harder for that one. I honestly, it doesn't take me that long to say, I think I would prefer to have perfect recordings. Yeah, yeah like, I bet <laughs> to be able to just go back and listen back to that one campaign. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I would just kill to have that for, for all of my campaigns. Like even if it's not to upload it publicly, you yeah. know, I want that for every private campaign. Just to I'm have in. it. Yeah. Cause you've been, you've been recording the, um, the campaign that we just started not too long ago. The yeah. One the I'm one running. that you DM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we've got, I think we've recorded almost every session. We've recorded everything <clears throat> since the second one. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, we haven't like dispersed them to the group or no, like I need really to, I need to upload those. Out, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all on my, on, on this laptop. Yeah. I mean, that's totally fine. Then that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's not, we're not losing anything by not having them. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm really excited to have them. It's going to be so much. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. For, for just archival of the information, you know, and also just being able to go back and listen. Cause that's something that I struggle with DM imposter syndrome mm -hmm. a lot to be able to go back into one of my other sessions where I actually feel like I did a really, really good job specifically with the last session we did. Mm -hmm. We talked about the WWE 
intros and the 2v2 combat that we played. That was the in uh, last week when we talked about the anticipation round. That session was probably the most time I have spent physically writing out exactly what was going to happen, exactly what XYZ players and NPCs would say. Yeah. It was great. And I was actually way more proud of it than I thought I would be. So I think to be able to go back and listen to that one at any point would just be such a self-confidence boost and it would help me a lot moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you put a lot of effort in. I haven't heard you speak about this aspect of it as much, so I want to draw attention to it, but you put a lot of effort into, uh, establishing NPCs. Yeah. In that one, like, like in, it, it was like, like a, like a tournament in a, in a Coliseum type thing, you know? Um, so Skyler put a bunch of effort into the waiting room, uh, listing off a bunch of NPCs that were in there with, you know, photos and everything. And, uh, just like rumors we had heard about all of them. That was sick. It was, it was a lot of fun. It, um, it took me a long time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no doubt. But, yeah. 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 There, there were like, like, eight to ten there were so. actually there were a grand total of 12 other holy crap man. npcs yeah in the tournament that's there, so yeah, many 16 total but four of them were you guys yeah the most exciting part about that is uh trying to just like theorizing who's gonna show up later yeah you know yeah just like how many of these do i need to lock away uh-huh. in my brain yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun. And it was also really cool because I actually got to tease a couple of them in like the session before that you guys saw walking right. around the yeah. city. Yeah, that was cool. I was glad to I was glad to see them pop back up. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, so I would love to have recordings, I think. Yeah, just another aspect of that helps with taking notes. Mm-hmm. I am a really bad note taker. I am always in the moment playing my heart out. And then the session's over and I'm like, this is great. I'm going to remember everything that happened. And the next morning I wake up and I'm like, what city were we in? Oh, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm so spotty with that. Like for, for the first, you know, hour, hour and a half of the session, I'll be like, like, you know, in my notes, just like, (laughs) you know, shorthanding as we're going. Uh, and then, and then role play has to happen. And I'm like, I, I have to just switch into that mode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Especially with, um, a campaign that my wife is running mm-hmm. right now. Um, just the intense role play that happened in the previous session. That was what, like two days ago. Uh, I don't even, the, the one before last night. No, it was last night. Yeah. Yeah. See, I can't even remember <laughs> what day I'm in. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> this is a long weekend for you. <laughs> it's a long weekend for me, man. Work has been really long this week. Um, but yeah, no, like we were gathering information for the first half of the session because some crazy, crazy shit happened at the mm-hmm. very end of the previous session. And we're gathering information. We're trying to figure out what to do. And then in the middle of it, we had to go to this random person's wedding anniversary party. And it turned into just chaotic role play mm-hmm. and it was phenomenal too i gotta i gotta give a big shout out to aaron also for just how into the role play she gets and how easily it comes to yeah. her for stuff like that like i'm playing a very young naive character that's just new to the world mm-hmm. in general 
and your character is a little bit on the quieter side and much more like observant and Mm -hmm. watching over everything. And then Bailey's character is very reserved as well. So most of the sessions have been my character being an absolute shit to Aaron's character (laughs) and just the back and forth on that. And yeah, I think we went what, like a solid hour and a half, two hours of just like intense role play Mm -hmm. between all four of us. Yeah. Cause so much, so much stuff happened at that party and we got to the end of it and I was like, notes, notes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, started jotting yeah. everything down <laughs> yeah no like that was exactly the situation for me i i was killing it on my notes until you know until we got to that party in the session pretty much yeah uh and then like I, i'm missing everything past that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have to go back i have to go fill in later what i what i remember <laughs> yeah i started forcing myself to like the entire drive home, think about what we did in the mm-hmm. session, think about it, think about it. And then when I get home, pull up my laptop, hit my notes and just jot down everything that I remember before I like unpack, before I take my shoes off, anything like that. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it's still there. I can get some <laughs> of it. <laughs> That's right, dude. Yeah. What, what I should start doing at least is, uh, I, so what I do anyway in my personal journaling is I just use my uh my recording app on my phone oh and then i throw it in a program later and transcribe it that's if really i if smart. i actually want to go look at it because i don't want to hear my own voice everyone i want to <laughs> read that shit you know right uh but i should start doing that for um just like post-session debriefing on my drive back home that would be really cool mm-hmm. yeah 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 oh also i really want to get to the next question but like there's so much to talk about <laughs> regarding know. last night um we had our first everybody step out. Let me do a one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. <laughs> I, so I have not been present for one of those before. Really? Yeah. That was my first one like ever. Wow. Uh-huh. See, I've done that's happened in campaigns that I've been a part of like five or six times. Yeah. So like that was for me, I was just excited. I was like, oh, here we go. Another one. I didn't realize that was your first time. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. That's no, I, so I think cool. those are sick. It's something that like I, I wish would happen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think there are a lot of opportunities for that moving forward, especially not to be like, ooh, haha, I'm going to take that and use that. But in my campaign, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of that. Cool. Honestly, because it's, yeah. it's the way the story is moving is going to be really really cool and it's gonna focus pretty heavily on individuals for different parts dude i can't wait yeah do you got another question for us yeah honestly kind of in the um playing off of how much fun we're having with our groups Mm -hmm. and how much fun we're having in the campaigns one of the other questions i was going to ask was would you rather have the ideal dungeon master or the ideal play group oh man specifically the players yeah yeah that was a very that was a very minnesotan spanish i just did (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit a little bit (laughs) i want the perfect dm yeah yeah because we're not necessarily specifying 
if you get perfect DM, you get bad play group. And That's the true. worst the the worst play groups I've ever had were like average. You know. Uh not not counting the moments in high school where like one of my buddies was you know trying to trying to dm everybody's first campaign right ah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> well like everyone's at least a, a little experienced you know and you know maybe you have a good player in the group uh is is kind of how i would imagine most people's campaigns go um i would take the perfect dm in that situation i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I I would also probably take the perfect DM with with several bad players, um because like you know as long as they're wanting to be there like this this isn't the best example but take something like Brennan in Dungeons and Drag Queens, yeah mm-hmm. he is killing it with a bunch of new players. Yeah, and that's that was exactly what I was just gonna say. Like brand new. Most of them, or not most of them, a couple of the drag queens on that show probably hadn't ever really heard of or played Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons at all before that. Yeah. And Brennan just does a phenomenal job of just guiding them and making it accessible. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I would have to say, um, I was a little torn on this one mm-hmm. um, until you gave your reasons. I think you convinced me. Mm -hmm. I think I would have to agree. And the ideal DM would probably be just a little bit better than the ideal play group Mm -hmm. because for as much as I would love to have the perfect group of people Mm -hmm. around the table for me to interact with role play with do combat with all that, it is always going to be just barely overshadowed by the person telling us what's happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the difference for me is like I've I've stood up, I've sat up straight and I'm out of the frame. Oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) it's fine. That's kind of the difference for me, the the knowing the world thing, because I while I do think a bunch of good players can carry a session with role play, you know, um, and and even like. Uh, you know, assumed connections and all that and, and good improv. Um, I don't think they can carry a campaign. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I was also going to add on to that. A bunch of good players can carry a session, but it takes a good DM to let them. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. there are definitely DMs out there who will view it more along the lines of like, I have to keep pushing the story forward. Mm-hmm. And that's not always from a sense of you guys shut up and let me talk. It's just as often from a sense of, I am afraid that if I don't do this, they're going to think it's horrible. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's hard, but I think the ideal DM would be a little bit more ideal mm-hmm. than the ideal player. <laughs> yeah. <group. laughs> yeah. Tough call though. It is. Yeah. And, um, Branching off of that, mm-hmm. talking about the ideal DM, we've got a couple really popular ones in the uh, community right now, mm-hmm. running their own campaigns and doing things. If you had to choose between 
being a player in a campaign that is run by Matthew Mercer or Brendan Lee Mulligan, mm-hmm. which would you choose? I between the two of them, I would pick Brennan. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's it's tough. Honestly, <laughs> there there are a lot of good reasons for both. Man, I think I am more of a sucker for Brennan's environmental description than I am for Matt's voices. That's fair. <clears throat> That's um, fair. To that end, if you had given me a choice between the big three would have chosen Abrea. Abrea? Abrea. Abrea. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like her environmental description even more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's tight. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I would actually go with Matthew. Yeah. I would go with Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, there is a tiny bit of just personal bias there because I've been listening to Critical oh, Role yeah. for so long. Yeah, I listened to all of the first campaign in like two months straight, mm-hmm. which is not a feat I would recommend anyone else try to replicate. That was a very, very rough period of my life. It's a really <laughs> wild thing to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um. I watched all of campaign one, all of campaign two. I'm not currently caught up on campaign three, so no spoilers, please, but I'm getting there. (laughs) But no one's ever really caught up on critical role. No, God, no, there's so much. Yeah. But I think that aside from just bias, I would choose Matt because I love the, like the fun, um, exciting environments that Brennan provides, <clears throat> but I am a sucker for the deeply emotional investment that comes from an extremely rich and developed mm. character backstory and how that ties in with the world and how your backstory interacts with other player characters, right. backstories and things yeah. like that. And while I'm sure Brennan is equally capable of providing that, the format of Dimension 20 doesn't really allow for it because they record every session in like the course of a weekend Jeez, for dude. those for those campaigns. Yeah, because they're not that long. The, uh-huh. the longest running one that Dimension 20 has is um, Fantasy High because mm-hmm. there's two seasons of it. And <clears throat> I think that if Brennan were to do a campaign outside of dropout outside of dimension 20. He probably would do just as good a job as Matt does. Mm. But in that sense, even putting the emotional investment between the two of them side by side, I would go with Matt in this case because I am, I'm kind of a mirror when I play D and D personality wise. Okay. I tend to match the energy of the other people at the table with me and specifically the DM. Okay. And I am already, I already tend towards being a louder, more goofy kind of player because I don't have great emotional regulation just as a human being. (laughs) So I tend to, um, 
com- combat that with yeah. uh, sh- shitty humor and <laughs> bad timing. <laughs> there have been times, so many times when I've caught myself interrupting like a very, very deep, serene moment and just being like, <laughs> penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some shit like that. <laughs> I think, personally, I think you built whether or not it was conscious, I think you built out in your character in Sophia's campaign specifically to counter that a little, a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a battle inside myself when I play <laughs> him. Cause I'm like, he's a little shit. He's very yeah. naive and he calls people out and he's just, he asks why uh-huh. entirely too much, but then also he is very, very emotional and mm-hmm. very wrapped up in his emotions yeah. and it, it fuels the decisions that he makes. Uh-huh. So, yeah. No, I <laughs> I am enjoying uh watching you play a character with like uh an immature ship on his sho- chip on his shoulder. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really really fun. Yeah. Um for context, um for you guys just so you can kind of know where we're coming from. My character Auden is a halfling who is only 23 years old. Still rather young, especially by their standards. And <clears throat> both of his parents were killed in a war, uh, only like two years before the campaign is happening. And he's got a big chip on his shoulder because he didn't even know that his parents were involved with like the war effort because they didn't want him to worry. They didn't want him to somehow be involved or be targeted, whatever. So he's going through this campaign being very, very frustrated with the ruling authorities mm-hmm. with the gods with basically with everyone just being like, fuck you. My parents are dead and I yeah. don't know why they had to be. Yeah. No good reasons for <clears throat> being the way he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a mess though. <laughs> he is a menace, <laughs> but yeah, taking that, um, going back to Brennan versus Matt, Brennan and I share very, very similar qualities when it comes to D and D. Mm-hmm high energy capability for very, very intense emotions and super, super goofy stuff. Yeah. I love, love watching Brennan. Mm -hmm. Personally, I would rather play with Matt than Brennan because he and I are more different. Mm -hmm. I would want to see how Matt challenged me. Interesting. In the campaign. I could I could see that being a dynamic. Yeah, because yeah. that's something that Matt has done for all of the people uh-huh. in his campaign. Um, that's something that Sophia, my wife, did uh-huh. in one of the campaigns that we're running right now. She has a psychology degree and she basically said, hey, guys, I want to try something. <laughs> Will you like sign this permission waiver to let me psychoanalyze you in Dungeons and Dragons uh-huh. and do this campaign like exclusively to make you think about yourself and how, <laughs> like how you want to better yourself and the worst aspects of yourself and things like that. And that's kind of, I don't think it's to that extent, but that's kind of how I imagine the dynamic between Matt and some of the players in his group. Sometimes mm. they are very, very, um, they're very strong characters Mm -hmm. and I think Matt puts them in situations specifically designed to make them do something out of character or to make them question that character and refine themselves. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's something that I would love to see what Matt put in front of me. Yeah. <clears throat> that's valid. Yeah. I, I, I think we're not nearly, uh, as hardline one way or the other on this question <laughs> as the previous ones. No, no, honestly, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would I want to play D and D with anyone? Yeah. What else you got? Yeah. So just in talking about campaigns and everything, um, I realized I hadn't actually gotten a chance to talk with you guys about this before. Um, specifically you guys, this is a tool that I found while trying to figure out how to plan out my campaign. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it is a website called fantasy calendar. I'm sure some of you have probably heard of it already, but for those of you who have not, we will put a link to that one as well. So you can mm -hmm. check it out. <clears throat> The really cool thing about this calendar is that you get to create it from scratch. So this will be if you are making a campaign and you want to plan out, you know, what is going on in the world, what's the world like, this website Fantasy Calendar has so many tools that you can use to just add interaction to your world and to make your world feel more alive. Um, <clears throat> I have a list of all the different tools that are available on this website within building your calendar. I'm just going to read them off because it's kind of insane. So you can fully customize and adjust the clock like hours, days, minutes. You can choose how many minutes are in an hour how many hours are in a day, how many seconds are in a minute, down to the most infinitesimal detail, you can perfectly customize your world. It has an option for quote-unquote real-time advancement where you can say after X amount of real-world hours have um, progressed, tick the calendar over to the next day. So it will keep up with you if you want to do it that way. <clears throat> Weekdays. You can choose how many days are in a week. You can rename the days of the week. Uh, same thing with months. You rename the months, choose how many months are in a year. You can even set leap days if you want to have leap years in your world. And then we get into the fun stuff. You can choose and create eras. Like... BC and AD, before Christ, Anno Domini. You can add something like that into your world. You can add in the era of flames or something like that. And it will tell you when it will say you are on this day of this month of this year in the era of flames. Then you can also customize the phases of the moon and it will like automatically generate the moon phases, and you can set parameters for that. You want the moon to cycle between all of its phases within three days and then not happen again for three weeks. Or you can have it cycle through all of its phases within five days and happen every week. Like, there's so much that you can customize with this. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And I could just data dump on you all about this. Oh, it's yeah. Insane. It's an extremely deep program yeah you can you can customize and control the seasons the weather 
different locations, different biomes you can program in to say on this day in this location, which is part of this biome, the weather is exactly this degrees, this humidity, there's clouds, there's no clouds, it's raining, it's snowing, it's hailing, whatever it might be. <clears throat> you can add um, cycles, um, like the Chinese zodiac, year of the wolf, year of the dog, things like that. You can add that in. You can add events to specific days. You can set them to repeat monthly, mm -hmm. yearly. I'm sure you guys are getting sick of listening to me rant about this. But it's so cool because from a DM point of view, this program is amazing because you can set, you set yourself as the owner of the calendar and then you can share that calendar with other people. Best part, DMs, you can set specific aspects to be private and viewable only by you. So if you have something that you want to happen a certain amount of days into your campaign or on a certain day, on a solstice, you can program solstices and things like that. You can make an event, detail it perfectly, tell yourself exactly what's going to happen, and then you can make it private, viewable only to you. When you share the, the calendar with the rest of your campaign, they won't be able to see that event. Only you will. It's so cool. Yeah. It's like having a digital DM screen. Yeah, it's like Fog of War, but for a calendar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's... I I have programmed maybe a week of my campaign <laughs> in this calendar. Yeah. Because there's just so much. Uh-huh. <clears throat> but... One of my favorite things about it, um, aside from all of the different things that you can do with it, is the fact that you can import your fantasy calendar calendar into Obsidian. Obsidian is another program that I use as a tool. Yep. If you guys have not heard of the Obsidian note-taking program, I would highly recommend it. It is one of the more complicated note-taking programs. But for those of you who are computer savvy and like doing things with coding or anything like that, it has options for you to import and customize to your heart's content. I am not that good at things like that, but it makes me so happy seeing what other people have put into mm -hmm. the program. And you can share the things that you create on Obsidian with the community. So I have a lot of different community-made mods on my Obsidian notes. And it's so freaking nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can import your calendar and it will pop up as a little side, um, little side display. And you can just track the calendar through Obsidian while you're taking your notes. You actually have a buddy who's been using Obsidian a lot. Boy, do I. <laughs> Yeah, so a uh, friend of mine has for the last, I, I think it's a couple months that he put into this, um, which uh, to me is a shockingly short amount of time for what's here. I was going to say, only a couple months? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. But like a lot of time in those two months. Fair. Fair. <laughs> um, he... We need our totals. <laughs> yeah, he wrote scripts and manually did a lot of the work to import 
everything in the D&D source books into Obsidian. Uh, Lord have mercy. And it's like, I mean, it's interactive, you know, like it, it's basically a wiki. Yeah, because I was going to say you can link things in uh-huh. Obsidian and you can have different pages lead you to different notes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you can like attach your campaigns to it. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's Obsidian. If, if you so choose, you know, just throw everything in your campaign in a folder Holy and link it all crap. out to where it where it goes in the source material. That is insane. It's so goofy. And I didn't know we got that far with it. I mean, it it's it's just kind of a byproduct of what well, he's created. You yeah. Know? But I mean, just like the fact that like he has like all of the source books and I, obviously I don't oh. think it's completed yet, but uh, it's pretty completed. Really? <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put that on my dude. Everything my is ball. here. I'm going to have to <clears throat> like give you the tour of it later. Yeah. But he's got a, he's got a lot of specific plugins he uses for this. I'm not going to like, make any way to make this publicly available. We just found it, you know, an interesting thing to highlight. Yeah. So he actually has the fantasy calendar plugin, uh, integrated into this as well as, uh, a couple other plugins designed by the same guy that made that plugin. Oh, um, one of them is fantasy stat blocks. Ooh. Um, which I find to be the most interesting he has a bunch of templates set up for doing exactly this. That's so cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you, you should... can just like write up a monster on the fly. Yeah. Damn dude. Yeah. And then That's... just hook it into everything. It's so nuts. That's amazing. Yep. <clears throat> I like, I am, I am absolutely a sucker for the concept of like paper dungeons and dragons. Mm-hmm. Like you flip open the book and you look everything up, but it's going digital so effectively it's very effectively yeah yeah especially like this is you know made for dms obviously yeah the way he's done this made for himself more than anything (laughs) (laughs) but you know he made this for his campaigns uh just just instant information and there there's a plugin called omni search that he uses with this that is one of the best search engines I've ever seen. Like it'll, it'll do like synonyms of words. Oh, wow. Uh huh. And, and you know, get stuff that it thinks you might mean, or, uh, Hmm. you know, it'll, it'll bring up relevant links to your, your search criteria. But like, what am I trying to say here? Like related topics kind of thing. Yeah, it'll bring up related topics to your search criteria. That isn't exactly what you searched, but oftentimes is exactly what you need. You know? <laughs> That's um, really cool. Yeah. That actually did bring up another would you rather question. Um, just kind of by nature of it. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have a fully digital D&D campaign or a fully paper D&D campaign? Does, okay, does digital require like like doing online communication. No, no, just like, like you would still play in person, but like digital dice rolling, digital character sheets, digital notes, digital battle maps, everything like that. Give up my dying. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously factoring in 
you would have access to every single source book, all paper material. That that's the thing. That's the main draw of digital. Yeah. Um God. For me, it's between um do I want the digital source books or do I want the physical maps? Because those are the two things that I believe are are a little better than their alternatives. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Uh, to that end, I would I would say digital, uh, because I feel like referencing the source material, even if you don't do it a ton, is is more relevant in a lot of campaigns than you know the map might be. For me, I would I would actually have to disagree with you on this one. Yeah. I would choose paper because part of the exciting thing for me about Dungeons and Dragons is learning the system and learning what you can do, how everything interacts. I am, we've talked about it before, I'm a power gamer. Mm -hmm. I love learning how things can combo with each other and how things can work together. And that is a role that I have been filling for a lot of the people in our D&D group is like, hey, I need something really powerful. Help me make something super strong because you know how everything works together. Mm -hmm. And I think that <clears throat> I would love to have a fully paper campaign with all the source books because I think it would, it would improve everyone's ability to comprehend and really understand how all of the different pieces of your character are working together how all of the, the different equipment works together and things like that. It's um, <clears throat> it's really convenient having the digital stuff because it is at your fingertips and it kind of tells you how everything works. Yeah. But there's something really fun about studying the parameters of a magic item or an attack or an ability or something and finding a loophole and hearing your DM say, hold on, let me look that up. <laughs> yeah. And then watch them reach back and pull out the book and flip <laughs> through it and go, God damn it, you're right. Okay, you can do it. And yeah. like, there's something so satisfying about that. And I don't think that's necessarily lost in a digital campaign, but I would love so much to have one campaign where like everyone has their binder, they're fully customized this is my stuff for this character and you flip through all the different sheets and you've got your spells, you've got your abilities, you've got everything on cards. And I just think it would be really, really cool just to kind of have like kitchen table D and D. Mm -hmm. And that's I think, fair. I think that's something that is being slightly lost with the accessibility, but that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying you shouldn't use digital stuff because it's so accessible and it makes things easier. That's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The more people playing this game, the better. I'm so excited to have this be easier for people to get into. I just, I am a little bit of a sucker for, we're all going to sit down and we're going to learn to do this thing together. And then when we all learn it together, we will appreciate it so much more. And we'll be theory crafting together. We'll be able to say, oh my gosh, but did you see on page, blah, 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 blah. Look at how it specifically words it this way. So it might interact with that thing from this yeah. book. I just think it's cool. And I think part of it too is just, I miss reading books. 
<laughs> Dude, fair enough. Yeah. No, there's something about like the the uh soul of the game having the physical materials like that. Yeah. You know. But that being said, I am actually really excited for um Wizards of the Coast. They announced however long ago that they were going to be working on their own three-dimensional tabletop um map system. Yeah. That they're going to integrate into D&D Beyond. I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to see it. I think it's just going to make things again a lot more accessible, a lot easier. It's going to be really really fun to play with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I hope it's like I uh, this is I, I'm a little torn on this, actually, just because I am concerned with Watsi monopolization as always. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we you had know. to we had to kind of kick him in the knees not too long oh, back dude. and remind them that they were selling to people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they like. <clears throat> I'm not going to be convinced that they got it. Yeah. (laughs) That's the hard thing with corporations. And it's just the nature of the world we live in. Everything at some point, if it gets popular enough, becomes a corporation. And it, it's just kind of how the world works anymore. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. We love the, the commodification of everything. (laughs) It sucks. In response to that, we have so many new systems popping up and so many people, figuring out how to run things without wizards of the coast looking over their shoulder. Yeah. That's how you want to put it. And I think that worst case scenario, if wizards of the coast wind up doing something so unbelievably stupid that we all say, okay, goodbye, we're done. I think the community is going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be enough alternatives that, we'll be able to recover and we'll just go, you know, we found these other programs, these other systems that we can use. We'll just do that. Nerds I want to do a Pathfinder one shot. You want to do a Pathfinder one shot? Yeah. That'd be cool. I, I played Pathfinder back, back yeah. in um, Pathfinder first edition. I played for a little bit with a buddy of mine um, back then, but I have not even looked at it since Pathfinder two E came out. Mm-hmm. It's daunting. Yeah. Like, I mean, Imagine, you know, learning learning a system as big and D as big as D and D again. Yeah, it's like learning a second <laughs> language a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially having like the ADHD paralysis of like this For is love. so similar to something I already know. Yeah. Why am I learning this? <laughs> uh, it, there is a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, it would be hard to get myself to move through it. Yeah, I might I might sit down with it and work through it because that was where I learned power gaming. And right. how to become a min-maxer. Because Pathfinder 1st Edition was 10 times the math that D&D is. Mm-hmm. Like, even back in D&D 3.5, they had almost as much math as Pathfinder. Yeah. But Pathfinder took that and they said, okay, we're going to add even more options and even more customization. And it all affected the math. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy. Yeah. Like there was an individual, you know how in D&D, um, when you go to make an attack, you take a look at whatever weapon you're using and it has a plus whatever to hit. In Pathfinder, depending on how many attacks you could make, which was usually between two and four, there was a plus 
X, we'll say X, plus X to hit for each consecutive hit. Oh my god, and man. In your character creation, you had to calculate that. <laughs> Dude. So like the first one, let's say the first one was plus 10, then it would go down to plus 8, then plus 6, and then plus 4. Whoa. That's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, it was so much. Yeah. But yeah, it yeah. <laughs> Pathfinder was a little crazy. Uh-huh. But it also allowed for extremely high powered players and extremely high powered com- uh campaigns mm-hmm. and extremely high powered enemies. Yeah. Where I think a lot of Dungeons and Dragons campaigns kind of fall stagnant is because it takes a lot longer for them to get to the impressive levels where you're doing things that are really, really cool. Cause you spend a lot of the beginning of D and D campaigns fighting like village pest kind of monsters and doing little things like that. And then you kind of all of a sudden realize, Oh, we're fighting something like, very very serious Mm -hmm. and it takes a little bit of thinking to go okay i guess we did like really grow out of being like the hometown heroes kind of thing and we're we're big time now whereas in pathfinder you know like you very or you are very aware of how weak you are at the beginning Uh and then within like three or four levels you start to feel like I could probably kill this whole village if they talk to me wrong. (laughs) It's, it's really crazy, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, there is a very, very different or was, I should say, there was a very different attitude behind Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder Mm -hmm. back when it was first edition. Right. So I'd be really interested actually to find out what second edition is like and how much they've changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'd be neat. How, how new is second edition? So I didn't know it was first that you played. Yeah, I played first edition. Let me see when Pathfinder second edition came out. Uh, 2019. No second way. Edition okay. Of Pathfinder came out in 2019. Huh. Okay. I didn't know it was that new. Wow. Yeah, I didn't either. I think it was because it released very quietly. Oh, probably. I don't think it had the big fanfare that a new D&D edition would have. Well, yeah, especially not at that time. It wouldn't have. Yeah. Because <clears throat> that was also, that was mid COVID. Uh, no, was it was it was pre-COVID. it was before, yeah, yeah. Because it was in August of 2019, okay, so that was like before. right before COVID. So they they definitely got hit by that pretty hard. Yeah, I bet you could. I mean, it was a role playing game, and Pathfinder has not been integrated into any that I know of digital platforms that's kind of my thought process yeah Yeah, because it's like well people have a bunch of time to play it but uh where are they gonna play it right because like a lot of people used roll 20 Uh for playing D&D because you could connect with people online you could have cameras microphones on there and it was a map system Mm -hmm. so everything was integrated or as integrated as it could be at the time yeah pathfinder i mean i'm sure you probably had people playing on discord or over zoom but they didn't have the same digital accessibility that D and D did at mm-hmm. that point. I, I do actually miss some of the aspects of Pathfinder. Um, one of my favorite feats of all time actually came from Pathfinder. Yeah. And I asked 
Um, I asked Aaron actually if she would be willing to, in the campaign that she's DMing, mm-hmm. let me port this feed over from Pathfinder Ooh. into D and D. Okay, it is one that you've heard of before. Uh-huh. I have told you about it. It's the feat called Roll With It. Yes, <laughs> hell yeah. Yep. So, oh, that's such a good character for it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a spoiler for everybody who's oh, going to listen to this who knows the character that I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the Roll With It feat is hilarious. It is in Pathfinder. It is exclusive to goblins, but essentially, without spending thirty minutes talking about every detail of it, it lets you. As a goblin, or in my case, a kobold, um, when you are hit with a melee attack, you can make an acrobatics check where the DC for that check is the amount of damage that you took or would take Mm -hmm. from the melee attack. That's so so genius. (laughs) And then if you succeed on that check, instead of taking damage, you get catapulted. (laughs) that number of feet in a random direction, straight line from where you got hit. So like if you would have taken like 25 damage from this attack and you somehow made that DC instead of taking 10, 25 damage, you take zero damage and just get yeeted across the battlefield 25 <laughs> feet. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. And there are some other mechanics for like, if you hit a wall or a person and like you fall prone and stuff like that, but it's just so funny. Yeah. And it's like the that level of creativity is something that I love. And there is so much in Pathfinder that is reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen their combat style feats? No. There are hundreds. Oh my, really? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. This is, again, this is all Pathfinder first edition. I don't know how much of this is transferred over. But in first edition, certain classes, and I think it was even down to certain like races, and if you had certain weapon proficiencies, you got to choose between these different combat styles. And there was like uh, boar style, crane style, bull style, like all of these different things. And there were usually four to six different um, feats that were a member of each style and they would allow you to like when you hit with an attack and dealt slashing damage you would also apply one stack of bleed mm. and they would take a d4 at the beginning of their turns kind of a thing and just stuff like that and it got really complicated some of the combat styles gave you like these specific maneuvers you could take oh, and gee. movements that you got access to yeah it's so cool. That's very neat. Oh my God. And yeah, that's something that I have definitely missed from Pathfinder uh-huh. that I wish there was a good way to integrate that into D and D without making it feats because D and D is very reliant on the feats that it has. You can't really, well, I sp- you, you can build a character that doesn't take any of the normal feats, but there are some feats in D and D that are such staples that it just feels like you're not hitting your true potential. If you don't take them, Mm -hmm. like if you're playing like a barbarian, great weapon master, tough, um, like the 
slasher feet or whatever it is. There's, there's a lot of different feats that just make your character feel more like how they're supposed to be like tough grants you more hit points. Great weapon master lets you take a penalty to your attack roll to get a huge buff to your damage roll. And slasher lets you do a little bit extra slashing damage and also like reduce the enemy's movement speed. So there's stuff like that, that you're kind of creating your own combat style with the feats that D and D has. But it almost makes me wonder if it would be worth taking some of those combat styles from Pathfinder and making like a subclass I around them. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I guess we're going to have to do that then. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah. 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 I want to look into that. I think you definitely got to that conclusion before I did there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll, we'll pull up uh, the combat styles and we'll, we'll see if we can make them into D&D subclasses. Yeah. That'd be really yeah. fun. Yeah, or some other way. Like I cuz I I bet I bet that some of them probably fit a couple of existing subclasses. Oh, you're right. You know? Yeah. And there's, could could be like hmm, I don't know. That's a lot to think about, man. There's probably other ways that we could integrate them without making a brand new subclass. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's actually that's a fun concept too. Maybe making a subclass variant. Like take an existing subclass and go, I like the concept, but this ability, that ability, whatever. Yeah. We're doing sub subclasses. Sub subclasses. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons section. <laughs> I that that kind of like direct branching is something I, I think I would want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, think it would be a fun thought experiment. It, it really would. It re- Let me think about this for a second. I sort of think that, and, and this isn't all encompassing for this concept because there's a, there's a lot of stuff you could do, but one way you could introduce some of these as it is as um, learned feats. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like you need to be around or fight with an NPC for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Or like train with or, them or, or one of your <laughs> other PCs. Yeah. That's something that I consider consistently forget about is the fact that you can add feats to your character. Yeah. Outside of the ones you get from leveling up. <laughs> yeah. Well, like make them make them. I don't know. Maybe you apply this to feats as a whole. Now that I think about it, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, you know, along with the ones you pick up at your level, like, If, if, I don't know, be opportunistic about what your DM is throwing at you. Yeah. And, and say, is this something I might've picked up in this situation? Absolutely. I'm spitballing super hard, but I, I. No, I think you're absolutely on the, on the right path though, because that's something that, um, uh, calling back to Bailey's campaign mm-hmm. where I talked about how she had one of her players learn a feat from a specific person yeah. in some downtime. Um, she also in the same campaign asked us, Hey, what feat do you think your character would be like working on? Mm-hmm. Like what's something that you might be training on? Cause we're going to have some downtime. I'll find a way to 
have someone you can learn the feat from or something like that. So one of my players learned um, Warcast. One of my characters learned Warcaster. Mm. Um, and it was just like a series of skill checks. And we spent some time with a mage who was essentially, we just had like wizard duels. Okay. And that was basically it. And he was just like, or she was just like, okay, your form's bad. You were slow getting this Ooh. spell out. Here you go. Slap, slap, slap on the wrist. Try again, try again, try again. And after like a few weeks of practicing, they were like, all right, now you get Warcaster. Mm-hmm. And it was fun because that was something outside of the leveling system. But it was something that I didn't really, I didn't really take it in this sense because it was something that I asked for. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, can I work toward this feat? And Bailey said, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that pairs perfectly with what you were saying, though. Study, like pay close attention to what your character is going through and ask the thing that we just did. Do you think it would make sense that my character would gain the tough feat from that? Because that was a lot of combat. That was whatever. And they took a lot of damage and healed really well. I don't know. Ask your DM questions. Mm -hmm. It's a game about customizing your character and building a character to do things you want to do. It doesn't have to be as linear as you get this at this level and at this level, then this is accessible to you. Like try stuff, ask for Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Cool concepts. I want to flesh it out more. So I'm not just like, I know. Yeah. Like hitting stones together in my head. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's what it feels like. Fire. (laughs) This fits together. I know it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But I think that's a good place to, uh, to leave off for this episode. Let you guys kind of toss some of your own ideas around and uh, get back to us with them. Yeah. As always, if you have suggestions for, feats or any other homebrew that you've thought of over the course of this episode please send it to us on twitter at summon greater or summon greater pod at gmail.com heck yeah until next week watch the shorts watch the shorts (laughs) (laughs) they're good get into arguments in our comment section yeah fight about stuff (laughs) (laughs) i can take it (laughs) entertain me Okay, bye.